All right, good morning again, everybody. I was excited this week. Uh, I, I looked at my calendar and uh, I, I, I found, I, I set like anniversaries, like, you know, you can set those anniversaries that show up year after year. And uh, September 24th, which was this past Wednesday, was my first uh, visit to Morning Hour Chapel uh, as the interim pastor. Uh, so two years ago, um, my family and I uh, kind of joined you here on an interim basis, uh, have grown to, to know you, have grown to love you, and we want to thank you for uh, just all of the support you've showed us, all of the love, all of the caring. Uh, we really do appreciate it. Because um, they say that pastoring uh, the church is not for the weak. Um, but I've come to learn that uh, sometimes God works best through our weaknesses. Uh, the Apostle Paul tells us that hearing from God when we're experiencing a time of weakness is, is really a good thing because uh, he says that, uh, let me turn this on. Uh, he says that my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. This is God talking. God's power is best shown through our weaknesses. And uh, we're going to be talking about weakness this morning as we continue our sermon series on the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, and as we've learned over the past few weeks, Sermon on the Mount starts with this section that we know, uh, if we've been in church for any amount of time, is the Beatitudes. Uh, Beatitudes are just a series of blessings that Jesus gives that basically explain um, how a disciple of Christ will live out their faith to be worthy, to be called a disciple of Jesus Christ. And just like in the last few weeks, I want to read Jesus' blessings in Matthew 5 together, uh, starting in Matthew 5, uh, verse 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. I'm doing it again. I don't know. I, I'm not touching anything. I am not, touched, I am not touching anything. I've got this finger up like this. I've got this finger stretched over like this. I'm not touching anything. It's, the, it's an Amazon remote. That's what it is. It's one of those. All right. Let's keep going. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you, when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account, rejoice and be glad for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Today we're going to be spending our time in Matthew 5, verse 5. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are the meek. Think about what you think of when you hear the word meek. 
I'm pretty sure that uh, the first thing that comes to mind might be something, um, you know, like, a, like somebody kind of hanging out over by the way we call those wallflowers, right? They just kind of are, are standing here like this and they're all kind of just, you know, they don't raise their, their, their heads. Maybe, you know, they just kind of look around like this. We certainly don't think of this guy, right? For those of you who can't tell, this is Moses with the lightning and the thunder crashing behind him and he's holding up the tablets that contain the Ten Commandments and he's getting ready to smash them on the ground and destroy them because of Israel's sin against God. They've worshipped this uh, idol that they've built while he was up actually getting these Ten Commandments and he is angry and he's getting ready to smash these things to the ground. Does this look meek? To you. Doesn't look meek to me, but scripture tells us that there was no one meeker than Moses. Numbers 12.3 says, now the man Moses was very meek, more than all the people who were on the face of the earth. This is written about Moses after he goes to try and break the, the tablets. Well, he succeeds, actually. Moses was very meek. Moses stood before Pharaoh ten times and demanded that he let Israel go free. Moses stood at the Red Sea and held his hands out and his staff out, and the sea parted so that Israel could escape on dry land. Moses struck a rock in the wilderness with his staff and water came out of it. Moses led the people of Israel right up to the doorway of the promised land. This land that God had promised to Israel hundreds and hundreds of years ago and he got them right there. Forty years they traveled in the wilderness and Moses was their leader. Moses did pretty much everything to try to get them to be safe, to try to get them fed, to try to get them in a relationship with God. And Moses was meeker than all the people who were on the face of the earth. Which begs the question, what is meekness? Because obviously, meekness doesn't equal weakness, if Moses is any indication. And the world often believes that meekness does equal weakness. They tell us that meekness kind of looks like this guy, kind of cowering in a corner as somebody's coming after him. For those of you who don't know, that's Steve Rogers before he became Captain America. And they think that strength looks like this guy. The Hulk. Hulk smash, right? They believe that. I had a friend one time uh, at, at, one of, at, at our old church. Um, we were out to dinner, or they were over at our house for dinner. I can't remember which. But we were just kind of talking about yeah, what makes a real man. And my friend said, uh, well, first of all, Real men don't wear pink. <laughs> I am not a real man, apparently. 
But seriously, what, what is this preoccupation that we have about, about what strength looks like and how we have to be strong? How many of you, when we've talked about a couple of weeks ago, we talked about this idea of mourning. And how many people, after you've had a time of mourning, will come up and say to you, you know, you've got to be strong. Don't cry. Men, how many of you have ever heard, men don't cry? Men have to be strong. Men have to be the people that are in control all the time. Kind of weird to think about. But this is what the world tells us. Be strong. Don't be weak. So if meekness is not weakness, then what is true meekness? What does it mean to be meek? Now, the word for meek here in this beatitude comes from the Greek word praus. Say that with me. Praus. Sounds like it's a really strong kind of word, right? Praus. And praus describes those who are of a quiet, gentle spirit rather than of a proud spirit. And it also means people who don't trust in their own strength. Now, in classical Greek literature, among other things, Praus might be used to describe tame or gentle animals. But if we dig deeper, what we find is that praus describes something powerful that has been brought under control. It doesn't just describe the tame animal. It describes how that animal went from being wild and uncontrollable and has been tamed. We think of these, uh, sometimes we watch these westerns, right, where we see the horses and they've got these, you know, bucking broncos and stallions and things like that, like, uh, like this guy here, right, running free, big and strong. They don't want anybody on their back. They don't want anybody controlling them. And when the stallion is tamed, it becomes meek. It becomes praus. It's still got all of its strength. And you look at this guy. This guy has to be strong. If you got in its way, he is going to trample over you. But he is now under control. That power is put under the control of the will of the, the rider. And the rider uses the strength of the stallion, the strength of, or whatever horse, to accomplish the rider's will, whatever that is. Praus, meekness, is power under control. And for followers of Jesus Christ, praus, means that we yield our power to God. We yield our power to God's will so that he can accomplish his purposes, his work, his will through us. So if praus is, is strength 
under control. What does it mean for a person of Christ to be praus, to be meek? And to get a picture of the meek person, we're going to turn to Psalm 37. Psalm 37 was written by King David, another person that we don't really think of when we think of meek people. Right? He was a warrior. He told King Saul, hey, I have killed bears and I have done all of these things. He killed Goliath with a stone. We don't think of meekness when we think of David, but he writes a psalm. And in this psalm, we actually hear at the end the blessing of Jesus that he gives in this beatitude. We start, fret not yourself because of evildoers. Be not envious of wrongdoers, for they will soon fade like the grass and wither like the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will act. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not yourself over the one who prospers in his way, over the man who carries out evil devices. Refrain from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not yourself. It tends only to evil, for the evildoers shall be cut off. But those who wait for the Lord shall inherit the land. In just a little while, the wicked will be no more. Though you look carefully at his place, he will not be there. But the meek shall inherit the land and delight themselves in abundant peace. What does David emphasize here in this psalm? He emphasizes trust in the Lord. He emphasizes delighting in the Lord. He emphasizes committing our way to the Lord. Be still before the Lord. Wait patiently for the Lord. Paul writes of this deep confidence and trust that we can have in God in Romans 8.31. What then shall we say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? What that means is, if God is for us, who can hurt us? Who can do anything against us? Ultimately, God is going to take care of everything. And when we trust in the Lord, when we know that God is for us, we can make ourselves weak. We can say, God, I give you my weakness. Use it as your strength. And we can become meek. And David says here, the meek shall inherit the land. Jesus says, the meek shall inherit the earth. It's the same. So we know what meekness means, but why are they going to inherit the earth? What does that mean? Right? Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. And the answer to that question lies in the word inherit. 
When we go back to Romans 8, when we learn that if God is for us, who can be against us? Paul is writing to Christians in Rome, or Roman Christians, otherwise known as people who were not Jews. And in Romans 8, he's reminding them that, that those of us who believe in Jesus Christ are free from sin. He talks about this in Romans 8. He says that we are no longer in debt to God for our sin. We are free. We are, our, our slate is clean. Our, our ledger is at zero. But then he gets to this point in Romans 8, 16 to 17. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. We are fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him. That's the tough part, isn't it? When we put ourselves under the control of the hand of God, when we allow someone to strike us on both cheeks, when we give them our coat after they've sued us and won our shirt, when we walk a second mile willingly after being forced to walk the first mile, all of these things Jesus talks about in the Sermon on the Mount. And he talks about these things as sufferings. And we would think of those things as sufferings. I don't want anybody to punch me in the face. And if they punch me in the face, my first inclination is not to let them do it again. My first inclination is to punch them back. How many of you would probably want to punch the person back? You can raise your hand. It's okay. It's human. It's the way that we think. We want to protect ourselves. But we're asked to suffer. We're asked to take that power to punch somebody in the face and let God control it. And let God do what God does. So we are heirs if we suffer with Christ. But what are we heirs of? In order to see what we're heirs of, we've got to go all the way to the end of Scripture, to the book of Revelation chapter 21. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. First heaven and the first earth, that's this. And the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. And here's where we get to it. And he who was seated on the throne said, behold, I am making all 
things new. And he said, write this down. Now, when you're reading the Bible and somebody in heaven is telling you to write things down, you want to pay attention. This is important. Write this down. For these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of water of life without payment. The one who conquers will have this heritage and I will be his God and he will be my son. In the end, we get to live with God. He will live with us. We will drink from the spring of the water of life. But the best thing, right here it says, the one who conquers will have this heritage. Everything that you just read about, you get. You know why? Because heritage means inheritance. Heritage is the property that is inherited. What property do we inherit? The new earth where God lives. Why? Because we are fellow heirs with Jesus Christ. And we are fellow heirs with Jesus Christ if we do the things that Jesus did and if we obey the words that he spoke. Jesus modeled meekness for us. He modeled it just like he modeled everything else. The Apostle Peter writes, this is a gracious thing when mindful of God one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. For what credit is it if, you, if when you sin and are beaten for it, you endure? But if when you do good and suffer for it, you endure, this is a gracious thing in the sight of God. For, this, for to this you have been called. Christians, if you are a Christian sitting here this morning, if you are a Christian watching this on video, listening to this on the audio, this is for you. You have been called because Christ also suffered for you, leading or leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. And when he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten. He continued entrusting himself to the one who judges justly. In case you're wondering, that's the Father. God the Father is the one that Jesus entrusted himself to, and that's the example that he set. He was reviled, and he did not revile in return. He suffered, but he did not threaten. He was beaten, but he did not punch back. Jesus entrusted himself to the Father. And he expects that all of us who call ourselves his disciples are going to do the same thing. And it's hard. It's hard to live Jesus' example. How many of you feel that it is hard 
to live Jesus' example. It's a lot. We got a lot to think about here, folks. Much easier said than done because the world tells us that it's stupid to think that way. The world tells us that the only person that's looking out for you is you. Nobody else is going to take care of you. Nobody else is going to stand up for you. You got to stand up for yourself. Well, I got news for you. God stands up for me. God stands up for you. Jesus says no to the world. Jesus says no. You do not have to stand up for yourself. You do not have to take matters into your own hands. Jesus says, look at me. Look at me. Follow my example. If I trust the Father, even when I'm being punched in the face and spit on and ridiculed and whipped and crucified, then you trust the Father too. And if you do, you're blessed. You're blessed with the inheritance of the new heaven and the new earth. You're blessed with living with the Father. He will live with us. And I don't know about you, but that's pretty cool to me. God will live with us. He will never allow me to suffer again. I will never get punched in the face. I will never get sick. I will never watch a loved one die. God will dry every tear from our eyes forever. There will never again be a reason to cry in sorrow. No mourning. Beatitudes tell us, Jesus tells us, blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. They shall be comforted. God will dry your tears. Meekness is not for the weak. Meekness is putting ourselves, putting our trust in God the Father. And just trusting in his strength, not my strength. But meekness is strength the likes of which the world cannot imagine. Meekness carries the blessing of Jesus Christ, our fellow heir. Meekness carries the promise of joy forever and eternal life with our Father in heaven. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for today. 
We thank you that you created the old heaven and the old earth and that you have placed us in it. And we thank you that you have so richly blessed us. Father, it's so easy when we are richly blessed to think about protecting those things that you have given us in the first place. They're not ours. They come from you. They're just on loan. But Father, it's such a strong human reaction to protect ourselves, to protect our things. And Father, we know that you protect us. Your protection of us is greater than anything we could ever hope. Father, help us to trust you. Help us to look to you for our strength. Grow in us a meekness, a strength under your control so that you can use us to build your kingdom in whatever way you have planned. And Father, we look forward. We look forward as we practice meekness to inheriting the new heaven and the new earth. We look forward to inheriting a home where you will live with us. Thank you, Father for your protection, for your action. Let us not dwell on evildoers. Let us not dwell on those people who would hurt us, who would take away things from us. Let us instead trust in you and your justice. Help us to trust that you are going to take care of all of those things. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. We do not need to depend on our own strength because God gives us the strength that we need to accomplish His will, to build His kingdom. As we leave here this week, think about what it truly means to be meek not weak. God bless you this week.